Specialty Story, session number 41. Whether you're a pre-med or a medical student, you've answered the calling to become a physician. Soon you'll have to start deciding what type of medicine you'll want to practice. We're here to tell you the stories of specialists from every field to give you the information you need to make sure you make the most informed decision possible when it comes to choosing your specialty. Welcome to Specialty Stories. My name is Dr. Ryan Gray, your host here every week. If you're a pre-med student, I highly recommend you go check out our other podcasts like the Pre-Med Years, the MCAT podcast, or even old pre-meds podcasts for helping you on your journey to medical school. If you're already in medical school, thank you for joining me here today. We have a great episode with a pediatric neurologist, a general pediatric neurologist. Several weeks ago, we had a pediatric neurologist who specialized in headache medicine, but now we have Dr. Denia Ramirez, who has been out in practice now for five and a half years after her residency in pediatric neurology. Now, she's kind of in a combo academic and community setting at the University of Tennessee Medical Center and she's gonna talk all about her specialty. We start, as always, by talking about when Dr. Ramirez first became interested in pediatric neurology. When I did my residency in Costa Rica in pediatrics, I started to get the sense that uh, neurodevelopment and neurology were the things that amazed me the most, is kind of sort of see how a child gains milestones, how things change, how they can shift from being some, you know, little person that is um, pretty happy and content with anybody when you're two or three months old to somebody who is completely against anybody who's a stranger, eight or nine month old. Um, it, those are all things that, that mesmerize me. My father-in-law is a neurologist. Um, and, um, you know, then, then uh, around that time is when I met uh, my husband and um, so, so I got to see more of, of, of what the neurology was, not only inside, but outside. And, and that's what sparked the interest in, in, in moving forward and doing neurology. While you were doing your residency in pediatrics, were there any other subspecialties that piqued your interest? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Emergency medicine, PZD was the other thing that I really liked. Um, I realized that the demands and and the amount of time that I was going to be out of home if I decided to go that route was probably too much for me if I if I wanted to try to keep a family and and do other things as well. So 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 yes, ED was the other thing that that I really liked. What traits do you think lead to being a good pediatric neurologist? Well, I think that you have to like kids. <laughs> That's the first thing. Um, I think that you you need to be, and this is holds true for neurologists as well. So it's not only for peds, but also for adult neurology. You have to know and uh, your neuroanatomy, know um, you know lo- your localization well, and 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 learn. Um, the process in which, you know, we think and, or we are um, taught to think 
to try to reach a diagnosis. More often than not, you're going to hear people who say, oh, you know, you got to be really smart to do this or that subspecialty. I think that you have to like it. You have to enjoy it. You have to be dedicated. But that holds true for any single subspecialty that you get yourself into. For me, the one of the most wonderful things is, is the fact that when I'm in clinic, I'm essentially being paid to play with kids. I love what I do. I love um, talking to kids. I love talking to parents. I love to work with them. And that makes my job much easier. What types of diseases and pathologies are you seeing on a day-to-day basis? Well, you see almost everything um, that, you know, we will see the, the, the subspecialties within child neurology have been a relatively new thing. Um, so do I get to see everything that my other peers see? Yes, you know, you see kids with epilepsy and you see the whole spectrum of those kids, the ones who come every six months and they're doing great and you're just hoping that if they're going to outgrow that they that you walk them through the process and help them until they outgrow their epilepsy to the kids who have severe brain uh, lesions or or have some of the genetic epilepsies or have you know other reasons why they developed epilepsy and 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 those are going to be long-term patients for you you see the kids with headaches you see a lot of very normal kids who had one or two febrile seizures and, and parents are understandably worried and concerned about what that means. Um, you see kids with developmental delay, with learning problems, um, kids who are struggling in school. And again, you know, everybody wants to make sure that, that they're not missing something that is bigger. You see kids with neurodegenerative diseases. You see a lot of different things, you know, kids with difficulties walking, kids with ataxias. Um, it's, I mean, the sky is the limit. And the nice thing about pediatric neurology is that it's a relatively small field. There's not a lot of us. So um, we almost know everybody. People are very open and very supportive, even if, you know, if, if you're coming from a different training program. And, um, and you know, we... We are aware of the fact that as much as we would like kids with very complicated movement disorders to be seen by a movement disorder specialist, for example, you don't always have that luxury. So, you know, you you reach out for them, but you continue to take care of those kids. When you are doing your pediatric neurology training, what was the decision for you to stay a generalist and not further subspecialize? Um, a few reasons. Um, as, as, as we've discussed, I'd already done a PhD. I've already done my residency training once um, back home, and I had to repeat it. So I, I felt that I was at a point where I really needed to start to be or wanted to be more productive and, and do something. And I do like the idea that that the, you know I, I get all sorts of um, uh, patients that the diversity continues to 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 be a, a, a good stimulation um, for my knowledge for my learning and for continuing learning that I'm not sort of just stuck in a small uh, bucket of things that I see over and over 
but that, you know, I can see almost anything. That's probably the thing that I like the most. Okay. Describe a typical day for you. I will come in, I will do um, rounds and, um, you know, see patients. Um, We don't have admitting services, but we have consulting services. And, you know, so if if somebody needs, you know, a, a UTMC, it's mostly, it will be mostly NICU babies because um, children, for the most part, inpatient are, are seen at a, at a, um, at the East Tennessee Children's Hospital, which is not affiliated with UTMC. And then in clinic, um, you, you know, we, I get clinic, I get uh, to clinic probably anything between 10 and 11 o'clock may do some reading, may go through, uh, you know, a couple of journals, see if there's anything now that, that, you know, is, is, is new that will contribute to my knowledge. And then in the afternoon, I see patients. Um, and again, you know, I'll, I'll go through them. At the end of the day, I normally will check um, the charts for the next day, make sure that, you know, if I, if, if it's a specific question for a patient and it, or if it's something that I'm not completely sure or, you know, diagnosis that I may not be familiar with because I don't see them that often that, you know, I'll, I'll go and look for literature and read about it, um, finish my notes and, and then my day is over. <laughs> How much of your day is spent in a clinic versus rounding in the hospital setting? So I will say it's probably 50-50, you know, part-time, half of the time, I would say three to four hours will be in hospital. Some days, if we don't have any consults, then that morning essentially is is for me to catch up um, with any work that I have not done, um, uh, uh, call patients, things like that, then, you know, see patients in the afternoon. That's essentially the, the schedule. Do you have to take a lot of call? Um, not here. I don't. I um, I'm available on as needed basis, um, but I don't have to be available at UVA, uh, University of Virginia, where I was at until recently. Um, we we did um, one week of call. Some of us did more weeks of the year. Some of us did less. That varies a lot. It depends on which track you are. But um, then, then the week that you're on call, you're essentially um, available for your residents 24-7 for the entirety of the week. But the scheme here is slightly different just because of, of, of the type of population that, we, that, that I'm managing now versus what I was managing over there. Do you feel like you have enough time for stuff outside of medicine, for family and, and life outside of medicine? Yes. Yes. Yes, you do. Um, as, as anything in medicine, you have to be organized at it, but I don't think that I have less time than any of my peds, peers, or, you know, any of the other subspecialties. Um, I have good friends in, in, in different fields of expert, you know, of, of pediatrics. And, and, and I think that as long as you're organized, as long as you, um, uh, uh keep, uh, your your priorities in terms of, you know, when you're in clinic, this is what you're doing. When you are um, done with clinic, you know, this is the time that you need to do to finish your notes and things. Yes, you, you can, you, you, you can do it. And PEDS neurology is, is something, as I said, it's once you're comfortable with it, it's, it's easy to get yourself 
into that process and, 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 and still have time to do. I mean, I cook at home every day. Um, I, I, we, we like outdoors, so we go out on the weekends. We don't have kids, but, but you know, if I had kids, would I be able to do things with my children? Yes, absolutely. What does the residency path and training look like to become a pediatric neurologist? There's the classical path in which you are going to do two years of pediatrics and three years of neurology. In those three years of neurology, you're going to do a year of adult neurology, and then the last two years are pediatric neurology years. Um, so it's a, it's a five-year residency. Some people have joined the program um, or joined a program after the fact that they decided that they wanted to do pediatrics and they finished a whole three years of pediatrics and then they, they, they really liked pediatric neurology. And then they did, then they, those people will do an extra year. Um, a path that is still available to some and, and um, is you can do a year of internal medicine, a year of pediatrics, and then the three years of neurology exactly the same way, a year of adult neurology and two of pediatric neurology. What that path allows is there's some um, residents who start as adult neurologists who really, really like pediatric neurology. So for them to be eligible, um, uh, uh, to be ABPN eligible to sit for, for child neurology, they will have to do an extra year of pediatrics aside from the year of internal medicine that they've already done. And, and, and then there will be, uh, they'll, they'll have to do a, a year of, of, of child neurology and then they're done. So it's a little bit longer. Most programs nowadays have the five-year path. Um, when I started, um, there weren't that many programs that will give you two years of pediatrics and three of, of pediatric neurology, or the three of neurology. So you essentially had to, to go into two different programs. Um, some pediatric programs didn't like that because um, then they were losing a resident uh, when technically the resident is going to be most productive, which is in their PGY3. But most of the programs nowadays have uh, the, the option to, if you match, then you'll do the five years as, as a pediatric neurology resident. You can be certified, dual certified in pediatrics and pediatric neurology if you do two pediatrics and three neurology years. Um, but you have to make sure that you meet the criteria that the AAP has established um, for you to be able to sit for the PEDS board, um, uh, which, in, you know, I, I, I haven't followed them closely, but, you know, there's a certain amount of time of intensive care, a certain amount of time of ED, certain rotations that you have to do in order to, to meet the criteria to be able to sit for the AAP. Why would somebody choose to be dual boarded like that? Uh, some people uh, like it because they, they, they still have, a little bit of their heart in pediatrics, and and they like the option of of still being able to do pediatrics. Some people who, for example, will go into private practice or solo practice may want to 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 do a little bit of pediatrics and pediatric neurology. Um, some hospitals, they're the less nowadays. Back then, you know, years ago, 
some hospitals would, you know, if there's standalone children's hospitals will ask you to be dual certified in pediatrics and pediatric neurology. When I was trying to make my decision, um, one of the things that, that my mentor told me was um, that, you know, the shortage is so much that, that you end up not using your pediatrics board, even if, if, if you're eligible to do it, um, that, that you're going to be busy as a pediatric neurologist. And that has held truth for me, um, uh, you know, throughout this five and a half years. I don't think that I will sit for the uh, boards and peds. And, and what I hear from for those who, who did it is that they will not sit through the recertification because unless you are doing it on daily basis, it, you, you're going to end up studying for a test, essentially. You forget it. Yeah. Is matching into a PD neuro residency competitive? Uh, it is competitive, but there's plenty of opportunities. I mean, we, we, I think that pediatric neurology to a certain extent is kind of a well-held secret that, that should be out there more. I don't, I, I, I don't know, um, you know, why, uh, I think for some may have to do with the fact that it's five years and it sounds like a very long period of time, which it isn't. Um, but, but it's a great opportunity we have. So most of the programs, some programs are, you know, very larger programs may get three or four residents per year. Um, uh, Rochester, for example, had two residents per year and UVA has between one and two residents per year, but most programs will get. So, so if you want to go into the field, you can get into a very good program. Uh, with relatively, you know, with good letters of recommendation, with like every other single program will require. But no, it's it's not to the point where, you know, you, there's one slot and then there's 500 people fighting for it. No. Do you see any negative bias towards DOs in the field? Mm, not for us. Not Not for... Not for pediatric neurology. As a matter of fact, I want to say at least one or two of my um, people who did residency with me, either above or below, had DOs. No, that's that's. There's no bias. I mean, if you're good, you're good, and we don't mind how you ended up finishing med school. If you're good, we want you. We've had a headache specialist, pediatric neurologist on before. You talked about epilepsy a little bit. What other opportunities are there to subspecialize once you're a pediatric neurologist? Ooh, the sky's the limit. Um, movement disorder is something that is strongly um, sustained. There's there's a few people in, in the country who are you know, world experts. Uh, my mentor, Jonathan Mink, is, is one of the world experts in, in movement disorder really nice guy down to earth learned a lot from him <laughs> a lot um neuro uh, which is something that i'm doing more here is is a field that is flourishing now um uh, and in neurocritical care kind of in conjunction with what has been happening in adult neurology in which neurocritical care is is, is getting kind of a special focus 
Um, you can do uh, neuromuscular, pediatric neuromuscular diseases. Um, you don't have to be just an adult person to do neuromuscular. You can do that. We're recognizing more and more that um, younger patients do get demyelinating diseases, MS, immuno. So neuroimmunology is another field that is flourishing. Um, as I said, you know, epilepsy and neurophysiology um, is, is one of the oldest fields we've had. I think that, you know, those are probably the fields where if you say, I want to do this, um, you can do it. Neurodegenerative diseases and, and, and white matter diseases is, is, that is independent from autoimmune or, or neuroimmunology are, is also a, a field. Mitochondrial and genetic diseases is, is another field in which you can get in. Um, so as I mentioned before, when, when I was um, interviewing and I was trying to make my decision as to what I wanted to do, um, you know, do I want to stay as a gen peds uh, neuro person? Do I, um, my mentor, Dr. Minx had said, um, Denia, you know, once you're done, um, you essentially can do whatever it is that you want to do. Um, and, and he was right. He said, you can go wherever you want to go because we're needed everywhere. And, and, and he's been right about that because, as I said, I have a lot of friends in the field who, you know, have, have gone through different paths um, and they're equally successful. So, so it's a field that has, is very supportive and has a lot of opportunities. What's one thing that you wished pediatricians knew about neuro uh, pathologies with their children that would help their patients have better outcomes? Well, this is going to go to probably the person who um, you talked with before. I think that, that you need to work with them on, on getting rid of a lot of myths regarding headaches. And um, because, because there's, there's a lot of, we see a lot of headaches and we see a lot of children with headaches who um, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm certain that, that could be handled at the, at the primary care level. Um, so, so that's one area. Um, and then probably the other thing is um, when, when do you refer a child for seizures and when do you use your skills to, to reassure the parents that those seizures are not of concern. Um, those are probably the two things. And if you go into other areas, and I will say, you know, if when in doubt, grab the phone, give us a call. We're always available. Um, don't order tests because you're worried if, if you don't know how you're going to interpret the test, because, because then, then you're opening a can of worms for you and for, for that family that maybe didn't need to be opened. What other specialties do you work the closest with? Developmental peds, genetics, uh, NICU. We do a lot of work with PM&R. And I think it's because our paths cross quite frequently. Are there any special opportunities outside of clinical medicine for a pediatric neurologist? Yeah, you can still go into industry if you want to. Um, there's people who will do a lot of um, outreach 
and kind of volunteer work. Um, I think that in the next probably five to 10 years, uh, one of the fields that is going to start to develop within neurology and, and more so in pediatric neurology, considering the shortage is telemedicine. I think that there's a lot of opportunity there. I, I it's, it's interesting because when I did my MPH in 2000, I, I looked into telemedicine. So to see it evolve 10, 12 years later or 17 years later is, is, is encouraging. I thought we were going to get there much faster, but we're getting there. Um, and, and then what that gives you is the opportunity to, to still see patients, but in a different schedule. Um, it will be great for parents who want to stay longer at home or who don't do well being in an office for a certain amount of time because um, then you can provide the care from, you know, the convenience of your house. Um, uh, as I said, yes, industry, I've been, I've been approached before for that. Um, there is times at which, for example, working for federal agencies, FDA does, um, uh, you know, has some, some groups in which pediatric neurologists uh, can be part and, and this is an ongoing discussion in terms of within the field as what, how can we diversify as pediatric neurologists in the way that, that other colleagues have, um, because our services are valued and, 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 and there's a lot of opportunities there for, for other things. What do you know now that you wish you knew going into pediatric neurology? I wish I knew how much uh, the medical field was going to change because I think that would have helped me anticipate some of some of the things that came as a surprise to us in terms of, of how to shift her measure for productivity. And it's an ongoing process, but how how it's measured and, and that only that not only touches pediatric neurology, it touches medicine as a whole. I wish I, I would have taken a little bit more time to do other things that I wanted to do, um, but that's not before going into pediatric neurology. That was before going into med school. Um, so I try to pass that on to my students and, and, and to the residents. Is, you, know, you need to take time for yourself. I think that, that for me, the process of it's okay to take breaks is, is something that was harder to get into. And, and something that I've learned with time. What do you like the most about being a pediatric neurologist? Uh, working with the kids. <laughs> um, uh, it's fulfilling to see that, you know, sometimes they don't feel well. And they'll let you know very clearly that they don't feel well. But when they feel better, when they starting to recover... Um, you know, to know that, that, that you helped and that, that you made a difference in the life of the child is, is, is gratifying. And, and that is equally gratifying for me, even if we're talking about a kid who, who may have physical limitations, a kid who may ha- end up having CP, is, is, you know, is, is, is to see how in the midst of um, difficulties they continue to push their fighters and and it's amazing to see how they never give up kids never give up and 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 that is extremely touching and and learning 
you know, it, it, it teaches you. What do you like the least? Why do I like the least? To deliver bad news. That's the thing that, that is harder for me. Um, I think it's harder for everyone. Um, so for years, I tried to develop within my field in terms of research to say, not only, you know, yes, I'm delivering bad news for you, but, you know, there's people who are doing something about it, or I'm trying to, to make, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to be part of the change so that we can say, this is your child's diagnosis, but, but this is what we can offer for a lot of the neurodegenerative diseases. You can't do that. Um, so, so that's the hardest thing. That, for me, that's the hardest thing because, because you are you're changing the paradigm and the plans and the dreams a lot of times when they're younger kids that the parents had for that child. And then you have to help them walk through the process of, you know, your child's life is going to look different than, than, than what you envisioned. And, but that's okay. You know, we're here to support you. We're here to support them. Given bad news, more so when, when it's neurodegenerative diseases, it's always hard. Um, the one field that I don't particularly enjoy is, is neuro-oncology. You know, that, that's, that's a field that I don't like. Um, so I try to stay away from it as much as I can. Yeah. If you had to do it all over again, would you still choose PD Neuro? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. For a student nope. listening to this that mm -hmm. is excited and, and enjoyed what you just talked about, what's the, the first step that a, a pre-med or a medical student should look at doing to get involved in PD Neuro? So for a pre-med um, or an undergrad, uh, grab every opportunity that you have to observe, to shadow someone in the community. Um, try not to go into the hospital. The hospital has the most extreme cases, and it's not going to give you a good idea and a real perspective of what child neurology is and has for you. Um, I think outpatient gives you away much more. And and as I said, you know, I've, I've had throughout the years, undergrads have contacted me and say, you know, we're interested in neurology or we're interested in neuroscience. Can I shadow and so, so I think that it's a perfect opportunity um, to, to see other people doing what they do, because I want to say 99.9% .9 of us really enjoy doing the job that we do. Um, for, for med students, um, similarly, you know, when, when, when you're doing your peds neurology rotation, make sure that you don't stick just to the um, inpatient and make sure you go to outpatient. If you had an interesting patient as an inpatient, talk to your attending and say, or talk to your resident and say, hey, when this patient comes back, would you mind letting me know if you have the opportunity to go and see that patient? Because it gives you a completely different perspective as to, you know, what happened inside the hospital as to how that family, that child um, either are coping with a diagnosis or are coping with, with um, you know, a, a an illness or how the child recovered right and 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 as I said then then you get that fulfilling part um, do your CC4 year make sure you do a rotation make sure 
um, you you express your interest. Uh, every single time that I have had a student who says, you know, I'm thinking about pediatric neurology, I've tried to encourage from, you know, I'm here. If you need anything, we can talk. If you have questions, we can talk to, you know, if we have an interesting case and we would like to, you would like to write it, I'm, I'm here for you. Let's write that paper. Let's go. Let's discuss the case. So, you know, take out as much as you can from those rotations and 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 get a good perspective of, of what the field has for you because it's broad. It's it, it's not just that narrow of the child with medication refractory epilepsy um, who has 10 seizures a day. That That is not on daily basis what we do. That's part of what we do, and that's challenging. But there's a lot of other things that are extremely fulfilling that we also do. All right, so there you have it. Again, that was Dr. Denia Ramirez talking about general pediatric neurology. I hope that was useful for you. I hope you get a ton of great information out of these podcasts. If you do, I'd love to hear from you. Shoot me an email, ryan at medicalschoolhq.net. Let me know that you are listening. Say hello. If there is a particular specialty that you would like to try to hear sooner rather than later, shoot me an email. Again, ryan at medicalschoolhq.net. And if you have anybody that you would recommend for me to interview, send them my way. I hope you have a great week. We'll see you next time here at Specialty Stories and MedEd Media.